This is Amstigator, a podcast founded on purpose, but focused on the path to get there. Experience is the best teacher, right? And in this season of Amstigator, we're going all in on female perspective of women and wisdom as we answer one specific question. What's the lesson here? You'll hear from my best girlfriends and favorite female collaborators as we share deeply about what we're here to learn and teach as we guide other women to purpose. Welcome back to Amstigator. I'm releasing this episode two days before Thanksgiving. So for the 97% of you who listen in the U.S., you know what this week's about. But for those of you listening in Spain, Singapore, Germany, Kenya, and all the other countries tapping Amstigator content every week, this week is about giving thanks, about being grateful. Two people I'm grateful for are the women you're about to hear in this episode. Earlier this season, I interviewed two of my best friends here in Nashville. They've been huge supporters of this podcast, and I finally talked them into being interviewed on it, so it was a big deal. I released the first part of our conversation back in September. If you didn't listen to that one, it is episode 32, and we really focus on building deep female friendships and just how critical those are. But the second part of this conversation takes a much deeper and kind of different turn. And we took a bathroom break midway. And when I came back, my two friends, Dr. Joyce Williams and Kelly Alvarez, had made a plan to start asking me the questions. And if you've been listening through my back catalog, you know from my first two seasons, the first 24 or so episodes, I asked every guest the same series of questions. It was a game I called Best Time, Worst Time. And I would ask everybody, when was the best time in your life? What was the worst time of your life? Turning point, greatest moment of clarity, things you find yourself saying, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, a few other questions too. So my two girlfriends started asking me some of those questions. And in the last few months, I've had people reach out and they've asked me, you know, Lauren, what are you going to tell your story? We want you to answer some of these questions. I want that. Give it to us. So I heard you and this is the start of that. And I lay out some pretty deep stuff about my worst time. I honestly um, thought about cutting it, but I decided to keep it in uh, because that's what this is all about, right? We do authenticity here. We do truth here. We Lay it all out. I mean, this is a form of therapy, you know? So you're really getting something here in this next hour. And since season three is all about lessons, uh, one of my friends also asks me about my lesson, the one I'm consistently learning over and over, which is what got you here isn't why you're here. And I'm going to explain more about what that lesson means and how it's fleshed out in my own life three times now. And you'll see how Amstigator even has been kind of a a result of that lesson. Now, in this episode, we share the advice that we would give to our younger selves. That's a fun part. We also talk through all-girl exclusivity. And one of my friends, Kelly, questions that if we're making the right choices with some of the things that we do. And then we also encourage each other not to wish life away. Even the worst times have lessons. And make sure you listen to the end because my girlfriends ask whether I would ever put my husband on this podcast. And, you know, I'm realizing in this moment, I never really talk about him on here. But if you want to know about him, you'll get some of the inside scoop in the final five or so minutes of this episode. Plus, I share a bigger theory I have about spouses and partners and what you can learn about your friends just by getting to know who they've chosen to spend their life with. And I will say, this was a fun recording to relive because we recorded it on a Friday in August. We were drinking bubbles. We were having a good time. 
I had just gotten out of the hospital a few days earlier, and at the time, none of us could have known that three days later, I would go back into the hospital for what turned out to be my third extended hospitalization for an exceedingly rare complication from an emergency appendectomy. Now, if you don't know that story, go back, listen to episode 31. It's called At What Cost? It'll spell out the entire life-changing month I had in August and what I learned from some pretty sudden and severe health issues. But I'm excited to share part two of this amazing conversation, this episode that's focused on deep, deep friendship and self-evolution. Let's get started. Well, we were just talking about how much we love your podcast, and we were thinking about all of the seasons that, or the episodes that we've listened to, and you ask your guests a couple of recurring questions, and so we were going to ask you. Best time. Oh, for as much pain as as I'm in right now, (gasps) I would say now. There was a time that I would have said college was actually my best time, because for a long time it was my best time. Um, But as in that life, like there's always pleasure mixed with pain. Mm. I would still say college was an excellent time. Stakes are super low. And you get, I think that's like the first foray into really learning about who you are. And um, yeah, and just just sort of learning about yourself, right? Like, so that's, I loved college. You know, I went to Florida State and was in a sorority. And so like, and I'm obsessed with women, you guys. I'm just obsessed with women. And so like being in that all-girl environment all the time was just so amazing. But then- Um, Fast forward to this space that I've been in in the last year and year and a half. It's like I've been on an express train through personal development and a personal evolution. And I have loved that. And even in the last, you know, month of real kind of like traumatic health issues and Mm -hmm. hospitalizations and everything like that, I think even in that, even in that pain um, and that and even in that trauma, I have found myself saying, this is what I need right mm. now to evolve. Mm. This is what I need, um, which I look at and say, this makes me an even more evolved person yeah. that I could find the gift even in the in the greatest struggle. Do you so. think it's your ability to see the lesson at hand instead of looking at it as like a resentment, right? Like you have a health issue; it's taking you away from the thing you the things you yeah. love to do. I've had to cancel episodes. Ep- I've yes, had, yeah, I've had to cancel all stuff. these things, like. Instead of looking at that as like resentment of like this is happening to me, you're looking at it as what is this teaching yeah, me, right? Yeah, I keep you saying, told like, me I look for what's the gift every day. Yeah, who's what's, the gift? What's the gift here, right? Yeah. And like I've been asking here in these last few weeks, like what's the lesson here? And I don't know. I mean, I I think that's like the beauty of life, right? Like you just keep learning mm-hmm. a little bit at a time, and um, I think. There is something to seeking, though, in the same way we've talked about seeking friendship. I, there's something to seeking meaning. I think as humans, like we are meaning making machines. Yeah, we sure. want things to make sense. And I am certainly guilty of that, like gladly guilty. I want to know what's the connection here. Yeah. Um, and I don't count anything out, you know, what even if it's what is the divine connection here or what is what's the simplest answer? What's the most complex Mm. answer? I want to know all of it. Um, but yeah, no, I do, I do think there's a deeper lesson here in this current, very present moment for me. Um, it's these health issues have caused a a, a major reevaluation for me Mm. where I've, I am now looking at my life differently. Mm. Um, 
And I think when you start to put yourself after any event, if, if you even so much as glance at the spectrum of life and death, when something puts you on that spectrum, sure. anywhere on that spectrum, you it is a point for reevaluation. Yes. And I believe I've just been given a gift, mm-hmm. as traumatic as it's been, of being put on that spectrum again of reevaluation. And so why is it the best time yeah. in my life right now? Is because more than anything, I value evolution. I value learning. I value, you know, understanding and changing and and the the dynamism of life. And that's that's what I'm in. And it's cool because I feel like, you know, you were forced into this introspection at this moment in your life where you had this post-traumatic growth, right? And like, this is like a field that I'm like super interested in. Yeah, it's a huge, that's a real thing. Everyone already talks about post-traumatic stress, right? Mm -hmm. And like, kind of like the negative aspects of trauma, but like the fact that so many people will take a traumatic experience and evolve from it and Mm -hmm. grow from Mm -hmm. it and see like, this was supposed to happen to me. And something therapy has taught me is radical acceptance. And I was very much like, no. I don't just accept whatever, (laughs) but like going into it more and like diving deep into it more. And like the fact that you are supposed to be exactly where you are. You're not on your wrong path. You're on the right path. Like all the decisions that you made brought you here. And that's for good reason. Right. And and to accept that and be like, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is happening to me for some reason. And we're going to figure it out and we're going to move forward and we're going to grow. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I think like the negative side is right. Like, we might develop negative coping skills when mm-hmm. we're not in realization that we're going through something hard, or we're not able to because the stress is too big. But like the beauty of what you've been working on, even before this, was that like you've radically accepted where you are and what you want in life. And something like this happens, and it's hard. It's like really hard terrible. and it's and it's hard on everyone it's, it's not hard. just hard on me no. it's hard on my family yes. yeah but you're like okay I radically accept that I can't change the fact that I've had this happen to me yeah. my body did this yeah. like I'm here in the hospital what can I what can I do what can where can I be from here and it's beautiful man it's like I didn't stop and think about how traumatic it was for you. Also knowing that like, you don't like being in the, like not that anyone likes being in the hospital. Who wants to be in the hospital? Sorry, Joyce. (laughs) Joyce likes being in the hospital. (laughs) Those sort of things are not congruent. Like seeing blood is not easy for you. Like Like I have a a physical visceral response. It's not something I can control. Like I actually, yeah, like pass out. Like Mm -hmm. very easily. My next question, what's the worst time for you? Could have been this moment. Could have been right now. Being in the hospital for nine days. it's been bad. It's been bad. And I think it's been like, um, like the realization that, um, we're like, it for you, girl. Yes, we thank are. Thank you. That I, that, that parallel paths can happen. Uh, uh, and this Ooh, is yeah. what I mean. Like in the last year or two, I've had multiple friends who, um, I can think of three specifically who at the exact same time, like have had like the most incredible professional year of their mm. life. And then, their personal life has gone to hell, yeah. you know, like these per- these parallel oh, wow. paths. And I, you guys, like on the day that I started having abdominal pain, literally hours before the abdominal pain started, I had just gotten a promotion at Ugh. the television station. And so that's actually what, like, that's the record player that keeps playing in my mind. It's like, 
what's the lesson here? You know, like what's, what's really the lesson here? Like on the same day, like I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about it, but like I could be very angry, resentful and resentful and feel very victimized by the fact that like, this is what I've been working my entire career for. And then, but why am I out of work for three weeks or four weeks or whatever it ends up being? God help me. I can go back soon. (laughs) You know, for, for all of this stuff, you know, um, at this point I've asked 24 people that question. When was the worst time in your life? And it's something that I have thought about a lot. It's the reason like I put it in that lineup of questions because I think about it a lot. Like I know the worst times of my life. But in the last few months, I've begun to like reevaluate that because I've made a conscious choice of seeing those times as gifts because Mm -hmm. it is what's gotten me to Mm -hmm. this point and then to this point and then this point. Um, But there was there were a couple of times just briefly. uh, There was a point in my 20s where um, uh, my family did not think I was supposed to marry the person I've married. That was an incredibly like excruciating time. Yeah. Yeah. and it continued to be until I finally started feeling actively pursuing forgiveness in that. And But I held on to that hurt for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you pursuing forgiveness of them. Like you pursued forgiveness. Yeah. Like we continued life like as if yes. things didn't happen. But yeah. I always harbored deep, course. deep, deep yeah. pain and resentment yeah. from yeah. that time. Um, that was a terrible time in my mid-20s. Um, and then it, at 30 and 33, um, I'm 37 now at 30 and 33, I had two other health issues that like at the birth of my daughter and then the birth of my son, I had, I mean, traumatic, traumatic, traumatic birth from my daughter that was like, Hey, that way the doctor actually told me, you know, if we'd have waited to do this emergency C-section 15 minutes, you wouldn't have left the hospital with a child and like you would have left the hospital without a child Mm. because we'd waited too late Mm. if you would have left at all Mm. and so like again being put on that spectrum of life or death um and i never dealt with that trauma and then 33 similar thing happened hard delivery and then being re-hospitalized five days later once again almost dying um truly not melodrama my my husband, I'll never forget my husband asking the doctor after I'd been rehospitalized because I felt like something was wrong. And he said, hey, if we wouldn't have called tonight, if we wouldn't have come into the hospital, what would have happened? And she goes, oh, heart attack, stroke, death, just like that. Jeez. And he was like, I think he wasn't even prepared yeah. for like the magnitude of what we had just avoided again. Yeah. yeah. And so then I think for me, like these health issues, even right now, like it's not even think, I know. Like the this yeah. recent hospitalization for me has been like bringing all of that back up. The things I never dealt with. I mean, so, physically, your body is like remembering what yeah. you've been. Oh through. yeah, right. Like the body keeps the score, right? Like sure. well-known novel, not yeah. novel, excuse me, well-known work. Yeah. Right. Like in the nonfiction space, but um, yeah, I think so. Like worst time in my life, it's those times of like um, deep evaluation. Yeah. Right. Deep evaluation being being evaluated on have I chosen the right life partner being questioned actually being questioned about whether I've chosen the right like right life partner of course I have yeah of course I have but being questioned on that was I wasn't I wasn't emotionally by people I love yeah I wasn't emotionally ready for that I wasn't if I wasn't evolved enough to handle that 
Um, now I am. And now I'm also able to forgive. That's beautiful. I'm sorry. Those are really long questions. <laughs> so we asked Best them. time and worst time. That's why we asked. What do you find yourself telling yourself? Yeah. I don't know if I phrase that right. What do you, know, you know what I mean. What, what, what do I find myself saying, saying a lot, a lot lately? Yeah. yeah. In the last 48 hours, um, there's a lead up to these three words. I have always pride, prided myself on being able to do all of it, right? Like mm -hmm. I was saying, like, I can do everything. I am a have your cake and eat it too person. I believe fiercely that I can have everything I want. Like if I if I can work hard enough or if I believe, you know, if I believe enough, if I do everything right, if my mindset's right, if my if my diet's right, if my mind is right, my health is right, like I can do it all. Yeah. And I am capable of all. I demonstrate every day to myself that I can do it all. But in the last 48, 72 hours, I have begun saying to myself, yes, you can do it all. At what cost? Mm. So the words I'm saying to myself right now are words of deep evaluation. At what cost? Um, and it seems in the present moment, the cost is my physical health. And so I'm reevaluating what needs to go. Not so much that what needs to be spun off, but more like, hey, where can I get support? Yeah. You know, what in my day can be something that I can ask someone else for help, which is like my Achilles heel of yeah. like always mm -hmm. feeling this is like this is a, a moment of like deep, um, deep self-reflection of like this is infringing on my own my identity it's of historic. myself. Yeah. Yep. Like I have evolved more. as a person who does it and doesn't need help. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think, the evolution I'm being called to make now, which is this realization of at what cost? Yeah, you can do it. So stop taking so much pride in it yeah. because now you see the cost, yeah. the cost of doing it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is like, so this is like a, this is, I think, my next the next phase of my personal evolution. Yeah. Did you expect? Did you expect that? <laughs> did you expect all of that? <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I think. I mean, feel like yeah, because I talk to you a lot. <laughs> You're like I, I did that. kind of expect that. Um, but I think it's beautiful. I think texting you in the hospital, hearing you talk about. I mean, you were in extreme pain. Like it was concerning. You went home and were still in such pain that it was like like this is not right that's normal. and <laughs> yeah. and to see you being like I know that there's a lesson here I was like wow she's she's really connected with like her source and her pur her purpose and you know making this moment which is really hard like finding the gift that's in there which yeah I think is really hard when you're physically not feeling great yeah 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 I don't know I just like things to mean more yeah you yeah. know yeah. Well, what other questions do you have for me? <laughs> yeah, what other, uh -huh. what other questions are there? Um, I was thinking about if you're if you're leaning towards like the lessons that you're learning. Oops. Um, obviously, you just talked about like worst time. You just ex explained like what you're doing. But is there a lesson that you're like, this is the lesson that I'm trying or that I'm continually learning? Or like, is it? Yeah. Like, what is what is the like 
you know, your lesson. What's your pattern? What's the lesson that you always are like, okay, here, here it the is. The reoccurring lesson in my life. And again, I think this is, this is the benefit of being 37. I mm. think this is the first time in my life where I've started listening to music and going, that came out 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I think I've got, <laughs> I've got <laughs> enough life experience yeah. now where I'm like finally seeing patterns. And I realized the lesson that I learn over and over again is what got you here isn't why you're here. Mm. Mm. This is a deep lesson. I learned at 19. I learned at 28. I learned right after I turned 36. And it's over and over again. So let me tell you like the background for what this means. I think about this a lot. Um, so like when I was 19, so I was at Florida State, I went to actually, I went to school for musical theater. I was a musical theater major. I sang and danced and acted and did all of that, right? Prove it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Pixar didn't happen. So I, I was there and my life was great, but the whole reason I was there was musical theater. Nothing about it was working out. Like I didn't, mm. nothing about it vibed. Like I wasn't, I didn't get along with any of the people in my cl my major classes. Um, I, my teacher, like nothing, nothing about it was right. Like, you know, when like you just feel, you're like, Ugh, nothing, it just yeah. feels icky. Not because they were icky, it's just like, it wasn't right for me. Sure. And so I was in this real weird space as a 19 year old. And going, um, I don't know what to do. Like I knew deeply, I knew I was supposed to be at the school that I had chosen. I knew I was supposed to be there. And I had to just trust. I had to like finally get to this point of like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be here. Why I'm here isn't working out. Mm. And then I just had this feeling of like, what got you here isn't why you're here. Mm. And I changed my major to communication because I just didn't know what else to major in. I took my very first class in that new major, and it was a television broadcast class. I left that three-hour, one-day-a-week course, and I was like, this is what I'm doing with my life. Like, wow. I'm going into television. This is, what I'm, this is what I'm here to do. Like, that was the first time I learned that lesson. What got me here isn't why I'm here. I learned it again at 28, but the more consequential time that I've learned it was 36. In January of 2021, I just turned 36. Um, no easy way to say it. Like I got a demotion at the television station, which was like really mm. shocking and disconcerting for me. And it's what led to this entire new mm -hmm. phase of evolution that I've been in. And it led to the creation of Amstigator, um, the reevaluation of everything that I um, really held dear and and thought was important. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it just led to all of this beautiful stuff, but it was in that time of, you know, reevaluation. Again, understanding, hey, what got me here to Nashville what? isn't actually why I'm here. Wow. You know, why I'm here is to start this project, yeah. to start Amstigator. Why I'm here is to have these conversations, to, I think, bring about change in this intense way of like embracing mm -hmm. the evolution, you know, embracing what we were, but also embracing who we are and who we intend to become, you know, like in that open palmed way, yeah. right, yeah. that we learn in yoga, like in that yes. open palmed way of like, I don't know what's coming, yeah. but I will, I will allow whatever it is yeah. to happen. 
Um, so that's the lesson I learn over and over again. And I and I know everybody has a different lesson, yeah. which is why I I just I just felt like there needed to be this revisioning for season three of like, what's the lesson? So it's like the question I keep asking you guys. It's like, well, what's the lesson here? Yeah. Because 39-year-old you and 36-year-old you well, can up. teach <laughs> – 32-year-old <laughs> you, something yeah, else, you know? Sure. like Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I feel like the late, I don't know what it is about those mid-late 30s. It's yeah. a time of, like, express train of personal growth. Yes. So, like, w- you know, what is it that you need to tell your younger self? And actually, maybe that's, like, the question I ask you now, which is, I mean, I'll start with you, Joyce. What does 39-year-old Joyce need to tell 32-year-old Joyce even so this is interesting because I feel like I, you know, I <laughs> going on the cusp of 40, I feel like there's a lot of reflection on like the past 40 years and the coming 40 years and like mm-hmm. what that means to me and how I have evolved. And for sure the last, the first 30, 35 years of Joyce was very much like I need to experience things and you can tell me everything that you want until you turn blue in the face, but it doesn't matter until I experience it to the chagrin of my parents, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And Lord, I put them through all of it. And I was just very stubborn and hard-headed, like, I'm going to do all the things. And And when your mom said, don't ever go into healthcare, (laughs) don't be a doctor, and you're like, watch this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a doctor. Like, you know, and it was just, you know, and karma's kicking me in the face (laughs) as Charlie does all the same things to me. But, like, very much the first this part of my life has been very much a like, I'm gonna go and do and figure it out myself. And kind of the same, right? Literally in the past couple of years, I've been more open and attuned to those around me who have had similar experiences and are sharing experiences with me. And I I say to myself, I don't need to experience all the things. (laughs) I don't need that I literally don't, why do I need to torture myself when people around me are saying things and teaching me things so that I can avoid that. And I don't have to waste time doing these things and I can grow from their experiences. Right. And it goes back to this whole thing of like, we're not islands. We're not meant to be singular people. We need community. We need others, girlfriends, boyfriends, community, the world. We literally do nothing alone. Yeah. We can't, we can't, we're not meant to be alone. The chairs we're sitting on, someone else made. Like that's simple. You know what I mean? Like Like we we are supported by other people. Yeah. And just like sucking down my pride Mm. and saying, I will lean on you. I will lean on your experience and I will grow from it. And it's not a bad thing. I think that is like, as I make the leap into my 40s, I think that is what I'm taking with me where, you know, I have these connections with people. Like I grow because of you guys. And this is a an environment where I'm enriched and I can move forward. And because of these experiences, because of the experiences of the encounters I have with other people in my life, I'm using that. And and not in a negative way, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm growing from it and becoming a better person because of it. And it just makes me want to have more and more connections with people. And thus enriching everyone else's life. I mean, you know, you like do. it goes both ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> For like sure. and 
I, I truly believe there's something that you learn from everyone that you encounter. Yeah. And whether that's a, a super close girlfriend or a patient I have in the hospital or their family member, like there's something I can gain from them. And there's something that I hope that they gain from me, but at the very least I will grow because of them. And these connections are important and these are connections that are what gets us through life, right? Yeah, yeah. truly. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? What would you tell your 32 year old self? Oh, wow. Um, if you if your thirty two year old son would even listen, <laughs> she wouldn't. Um, no, I think hmm, on the spot. You think I would be thinking about it while I was talking to you, but I was engrossed. You were what so were involved you in the conversation. Um, I think I would probably have to. The thing I know the best, and the thing I've done probably the longest in my life is running, and it's something that I do just for myself. Like I've done it for a long time, but it's it really is like for me for my mental health it's great physically but it's also it's for my mental health and the thing I've learned the most in marathon training a thing that a lot of marathoners say is run the mile you're in and I think it's so applicable to my life as in if you think about running 26 miles at mile one, oh god wow mm-hmm. right like yeah it's just a lot especially like not even mile one mile one you might be like I can do this like I can do anything mile 15 you might be like, oh wait, I have nine more miles? Like (laughs) 9.2 to be exact? Like, that's a lot, you know, you're tired. And I think if you just focus on where you are, one foot in front of the other, run the mile you're in. Like, you know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can see into the future. And I think for me, focusing on the present moment, right? Like this is my life right now. Mm -hmm. The muck, the hard, the imperfect, the messy, Mm. this is my life. Like there are precious, precious moments. I mean, my life right now is in between two homes. I'd have no idea where any of my- In two states. Two states. I have no idea where my stuff is. I'm moving in with my in-laws. It's a whole nother episode. The dream. The dream. (laughs) So, I mean, there's just a lot going on. And I just want to make sure that I realize, I run the mile that I'm in. Like, this yeah. is the moment. There is preciousness in all mm-hmm. of this, and I don't want to miss it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm done wishing certain things in life and parts of my life away. I want to run the mile I'm in. Well, I, I love that you say that. Um, you know, people don't realize that, like, there have been points in your life that you want to wish away. Like, I think about your second pregnancy, and you were hospitalized however many times yeah. during your pregnancy for yeah. the first 20 weeks of your pregnancy. During COVID. During mm-hmm. COVID, because, good good Lord, you couldn't even keep water down. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, gosh, morning sickness doesn't even cover it. Like, yeah. you lost 10 pounds in your yeah. first half of pregnancy yeah. because 15. you were... 15 in the first three weeks. And, like, I just spent... A handful of days in the hospital and I my heart now just feels it just feels so grieved for people who have extended hospital stays and I think of you you know like how many days you were like I can't I can't go on anymore yeah. you know I mean that lesson right there and like don't you want to like wish it away right oh, like, I did every moment of every day during that time I didn't think it was ever going to get better I had multiple times where I was like I will feel like this forever. I will never eat again. I will throw up 17 times a day, every day for the rest of my life. Like it felt, I mean. Insurmountable. Yeah, it sounds sounds like hyperbole, but like I literally thought I was going to die. I could not drink water and I was growing a baby. And this is a baby that we did IVF to have. I mean, like I wanted it more than anything. And I think when I was going through that, I remember thinking like, 
you know, it's sometimes hard to relate to someone who is in the midst of addiction, right? Like you think you're throwing your life away. Like you are throwing all these people or whatever. But I have felt so bad in those moments that as hard as it is to admit now, when I have a precious almost two-year-old who I would die for, literally, that I was asking God to take it away. Like that I was like, I would do anything to stop this. If you could give me a drug to stop this feeling. And I think it gave me the, maybe for my future therapy practice, my, it gave me the perspective of like, there are people that are suffering like that every day. And, you know, I don't know, the grace of God, I got through it and I started feeling better and everything worked out fine and I'm feel great now, but yeah, run the mile you're in. It was a definitely everyday practice of like, hopefully tomorrow will be better. And you can only be in the moment that you are right now and like lean on the resources that you have in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was something I listened to this morning, actually. It was, if you picture like the past, present and future is like a continuum and like a film strip, right? And like you are in the screen that you're in and this is your present everything is already written. Mm. So like, no matter what you do, yeah, the future will be the future. And the past yeah. is already the past, obviously. But like, if you are in the mile that you're in, in yeah. that screen that you're in, yeah, just be there, yeah. be present, be mindful, yep. and have that moment. Yeah. And then the future will be the future, right? Yeah. Like, it's just a matter of like, ex- the radical acceptance, yes. <laughs> like, because it's going to be yeah. what it is, right? Well, I think the hardest part of being in that was thinking that it was never going to end. Yeah. And that future thought of like, I can't do this forever really hindered me from being like, okay, well, today I'm feeling this way. And yeah. tomorrow could be different. It, it took a long time for me yeah. to even kind of accept that tomorrow could be different. And once I really did, like, I kind of had to, I think, from physical exhaustion, be like, all right, well, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Like this might be my plight or it might not be. It was like things started changing. Maybe just biology of the situation changed. But, you know, I had a really happy second half of my pregnancy. <laughs> so things got better. <laughs> kind of so happy second half. You got to the end of yourself, didn't you? Like, <laughs> And you did have to like accept it and allow it. I feel like, too, it's so easy to think that things will never change. You know, uh-huh. when you're in the thick of a situation that it just is never going to change. Um I think like that's the ultimate if you can know change is always happening. Good times end. Bad times also end. You know, and I am super guilty of like wishing times away. You know, those first the first year of each child's life was like, oh, God, especially my second. You know, I moved to a new city, started a new job after having like life threatening, you know, complications post Partum. I mean, it just, it was a lot all at once. And I don't honestly remember anything from my second first year of life. I just don't remember any of it yeah. um, because there was so much stress happening all at the same time. And I wished so much of that away. Same with the third. Like I wished so much of his first year of life away just because it was just so hard. And I know like for me, bat- battling that of like knowing that we as humans desperately want hard things to end we don't Mm want to experience the hard Mm -hmm. so it is that my question to you is that the ultimate evolution of saying of realizing the seasonality of life you know wishing away the hard and not fully 
examining the lesson that can come from it. And it's also like, or at least a practice for me is sometimes being in difficult times feels more comfortable to me to the point where when I'm experiencing joy, it feels scary. It oh, feels you're like, I can't experience this yes, fully. It's like What's, foreboding joy, right? Like I'm mm. like, ooh, the shoe's going to drop at any moment and I'm going to be back in the depths. It's almost just like I should just stay in the depths because it's easier for me to deal oh. with those things. And I've really had to practice like, yeah. no, there's joy to be found every day. And by thinking that the joy is going to end or whatever and never experiencing joy, I mean, what kind of life is that? Right. Like yeah. the, sh- the, the change will happen. Right. Oh, the yeah. pendulum will swing. Right. But it's OK. You're going to experience both sides of it. Yeah. And you know, neither one will last. What yeah. do you think, Joyce? I think I've just and I feel like a lot of my girlfriends hate me for it, that I've been very much a. This too shall pass. This hap- everything happens for a reason type person where. Like the script is written, right? Mm-hmm. And bad things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. We can't appreciate the good unless we have the bad. And I think mm-hmm. that's just kind of how I've lived a lot of my life. And I've, I see a lot of bad things that aren't necessarily personal, but it puts things in perspective for me where, you know, I see people losing loved ones every day. and Literally. In yeah, your yeah, job. Yeah. You, yeah. And you it's lose hard. People. And, yeah. you know, I think about mortality a lot because of it. And it sounds very, like, gruesome to people who don't. But it's just real life. Like, you know, we are not here forever. And, you know, every day is a gift. And, you know, I I live that or I try to live that, you know. And so when bad things happen, I try my best to take it in stride. I I don't think I wish them away because because of that fact that I don't think I would appreciate all the good without the bad, right? And, And I don't know if I just... I'm able to spin the bad things <laughs> in such a way that like yeah. everything's a blessing, you know, because you do get those moments of like with the bad things, how do you evolve and how do you grow and how do you have that growth from it? And I'm saying this now at 39, but could I do that, you know, when things were horrible in my teens and the angst of right. my 20s? No, but like I've evolved, I think. Yeah. Well, that's the <laughs> gift of age. The gift of age yeah. is perspective. Yeah. yeah. You know, Climbing to the mountaintop, seeing the range, you know, I think you have a different perspective on life than most people. You just by virtue of your by virtue of your job. I mean, I remember just even being in the hospital and you coming you dropping by at the end of your shift. Um, Joyce is an overnight ICU doctor, so she works 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So like you coming at the end of your shift to check on me while I was in the hospital and you just, I mean, it was just the weight of the world that was on you. And I just, I don't know, there's something about it. And I just asked you, I said, Joyce, did you lose someone last night? And she was like, yep. Mm. Mm. And I think, and certainly through COVID, which God knows, like it decimated your industry. You know, so many nurses left. I'm sure there's plenty of doctors too, who were like, I don't care how much time I spend in school. I just, I can't anymore. But I wonder what you see as the difference um, between your outlook on life, like because you're with people all the time who are like in this, for this example, like regular population versus the population of people who are in a healthcare field that deal with death some regularity. So what is the difference that you see just day to day that you think you take, you treat differently or see differently than just, you know, maybe like me and Kelly? I think just kind of the... There's, you know, so many people come in and are like, 
the patient was fine until today, until they got to the hospital. Just kind of this out of the blue, their worlds crumble, literally crumble, and are changed forever. And the fact that this could be me, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, this could wow. be me, this could be my loved one. And trying to, you know, the whole trite, like live every day to its fullest. And mm. you tell, you know, before I go to work, I say, I love you to everyone in the house. And like, yeah. because God forbid, I don't make it to work or, you know, I'm always thinking about worst yeah. case scenarios and trying to live that, you know, when I'm off, I'm off and I'm present and, yeah. you know, trying not to be like on my phone when my kids are around and asking me to play a board game or whatever, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> You just, embody that for sure. When <laughs> I mean trying. that you're like cool, calm and collected, <laughs> I think that's what you embody is like this appreciation for the preciousness of life. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. Present moment. Present yeah. moment. Yeah. I think, you know, not to be cliche again, but like the Bible verse I think of um, grew up super Southern. And <laughs> um, but it's like we are merely moving shadows and yeah. all our busy rushings into nothing. And it's so true, right? Like we can get caught up in the minutia of we right. got to do this and we got to do that and yeah. my hair, whatever. Right. And I think you embody the opposite of like, we all, we got this. Like I'm going to yeah. be in this moment right now and appreciate exactly where we're at. And I wonder if that too, like the way you're defining that, I wonder if that's liberation. Mm. And is that like what we're all here to do? Yes. And I don't, I don't think we're all here to do that. I, But I think those of us who are le- seeking like higher... Mm-hmm. purpose higher meaning higher like me asking this what's the lesson here like what's like let me look at the cogs what's going on here like I can't keep spinning this same damn wheel my whole life like yeah. there's got to be more to this and I and I'm wondering if by asking those questions or seeing that bigger picture or seeing even the strings of the marionette is it is the goal then liberation from that plight yeah. of like humanness. I don't know. I feel like I should have a, like another bottle of wine to ask a question so <laughs> so vast. <laughs> but I do think and there's abstract. something to like, you know, everyone is here for a reason, mm. right? Everyone has a purpose. Mm. And when you find out that purpose, you get that like warm and fuzzy feeling, right? Like mm. I don't think I'm good at a lot of things, but I do think I'm good at certain aspects of my job. And I feel like, Everyone needs to find what that is. And like when you're in your 30s, it's hard to be like, but I've been on this starting track. Starting a family, yeah. when you're starting a family and doing all of like that. Like I've been on hard. this track and this is what I'm supposed to do. I can't change gears right now. And it's like, well, no, but if you're not getting the warm and fuzzies, you can because you still have half your life in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And to put it in that perspective and to kind of have that liberation of like, find what feels good and find yeah. what gives yeah. you the, that feeling because you have a purpose and find it you know like it's okay it's never too late right lauren can i pivot yeah (laughs) so you guys have you don't first of all you don't have to ask me (laughs) permission (laughs) i have been thinking about this and i really and it's something i'm like man i can't believe i've never asked you but you went to an all girls high school Mm -hmm. right all girl middle school too no all girl high school you were in a sorority me oh yeah yeah yeah, yes lauren's Mm -hmm. in a sorority joyce all girl high school those things are both very foreign to me like i grew up Obviously, I went Joke. to like kind of <laughs> in that realm. Like my mom was like an all-American basketball player. I yeah, was like around. played in another yes. country, played basketball yes. in another country. My dad's a baseball coach. I'm around dudes all the time. Like it's exhausting. Yeah, but it's also like a different a different connection with women. I have great girlfriends from high school and everything, but they were also like sports minded. It's kind of like a 
I would say my friends are great because they like hold me accountable and they're a little like tough with me. But I didn't have the experience of an all girl school or a sorority. And to be honest, until probably now, judged it. I would have judged sorority as like, oh, they're Oh, girl, and I was the president. I was paying to have friends. Panhellenic president. I was president of all the sororities. So like I was the biggest biggest sorority girl. And I would have said about an all-girl school, like, I roll. Like, you know, of course. You know what I mean? And until I met people who were actually from in an all-girl school or like one of my favorite people or whatever, uh, she was the same. She was like head of, same as you, like very... I was like, oh, maybe my perspective of this is yeah. different. And I just think there is a group of girls who looks at that as like exclusivity, as like oh. this is not available to everyone. You have to be a certain mm-hmm. caliber person to be in that those groups. And I would say maybe I thought the same about myself. Like I would never be accepted. What would you say to like someone who had that mentality of like, oh, Kelly, you could have been in a sorority. Like, oh, my God, you'd like have been like this. You'd be the social chair. It like, wasn't <laughs> possible. It felt like, oh, my God, no, these women will never accept who I am. Well, that was, that was kind of the benefit of going to it. Like there were 40,000 people at Florida State. So like, can you honestly tell me that out of 40,000 people, you're not going to find a friend? You know, like the Greek yeah. life setting at Florida State was huge. I mean, there were, uh, at least for the Panhellenic sororities that I was the president of, there were 15, right? So like you've got like 150 or so people times 15 sororities. Wow. Um, you can't tell me that there's out of 15 groups that there there would be a group that you didn't vibe with. Like mm. that was the kind of the thing is like the first opportunity to to follow your heart and find people that you really got along with. Don't get me wrong. Like there were there were certainly groups of women that I did not get along with that were totally into just like party, party, party. Um, like, don't I look great? Mm-hmm. You know, this was right before Instagram came out. But I've heard that, you know, college life post post Instagram is like not what it was. I think more, why did I do a sorority? I don't know. I was the first person in my family ever to do a sorority. Mm. So, like, it was highly judged within my own family. Oh, it was. Yeah, like, yeah, highly judged. My parents were like, what? And my brother and sister were like, exactly like you, like you're paying for your friends. <laughs> I think it was more like. That's jealousy, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, here, here's the truth of it. Here's the truth of it. I was a fish out of water growing up. I did not have really friends, which I sounds funny like I I would win awards right like that would be voted on by people so like I did make an impact around my school but I never felt like I belonged I never Mm. had good friends I never had anything like that growing Mm. up and so when I went to college and I was like well what the heck I'm just gonna rush and see what happens to find a group of women who were equally as intelligent equally as interested in the pursuing like depth but then also willing to have a ton of fun. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm here for that. Like, that's yeah. what I'm here for. And so some of my dearest friends still are my friends from college because that's where I found them. Yeah. Um, and I'm forever grateful for sorority for that. It's kind of like you you are able, there's a structure for seeking out community. Like, there's probably a better way for me to, like, put it all in perspective. <laughs> My question is, should I start a sorority? (laughs) I will be your founding member. I'll be your secretary, President Kelly. Well, I think it's funny, too, because you, like, I really went to this high school because my sister did. And she's five years older than me. And I just did it. Like, our public schools weren't good. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like a a natural transition, right? And 
I went and like I I went from a small elementary school to a slightly larger high school that was all girls and I came out in my like my personality just like flourished. Oh. We were only 83 kids in my graduating class. Wow. So it was small. Yeah. But there was like something for everyone. Like we had yeah. jocks, we had like the smart kids, we had the eccentric kids. <laughs> we had everything. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, you could find your niche wherever the And I mean it was it was clicky, but that's high school, I think. Oh, for sure. And but like I felt like I just came into my own and like found my crew. You know, some of us went to like the Boston area together, maintained our ties and you know, whatever, 20 years later, as old as that, I feel. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? This like, is how we do We're it. still together. I feel like and all these songs are coming back now. Like, anyway. all the, and it's not just that we're still friends because we went to high school together, right? Yeah. Like, we've gone through these, like, shared experiences. We've had kids together. Our kids are the same age. And we've had those real moments where we're like, no, 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 this is what motherhood is. This is what marriage is. Yeah. And don't listen to the hype like yeah this is the real deal yeah. and that's normal that's not and yeah. breaking it down and being real with each other and just kind of having that vibe that's stuck yeah and I've been thankful to have found it and you know if I found it in college and have found it in my 30s you know I've just been so blessed that I've had these experiences and but I don't know if I didn't have that experience in high school to have the confidence that I have now, if I would have had the courage to be like, hey, let me take those rocks out of your knee. Like, you know what I mean? That, Let's be friends. Yeah, you know. Well, I agree. You both exude like a confidence that is contagious and admirable. And I, I, I was thinking like, would you guys want the same for your daughters? Like, would you want them to go into a sorority? Like, it was a good experience. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely... I'm pulled more towards like the all girl things, like all girl camps. Yeah. And, like I I love that vibe for my daughters yeah. to grow their confidence. If I feel like they're lacking, one of my daughters isn't really lacking. So I feel like she'll be fine. <laughs> She's the boss. But you know, I do feel like, you know, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And, yeah. and kids growing up these days, I feel like is a whole different oh beast than us growing up. Yeah. And I'll take all the confidence and grab And that's I what's funny. It's like, yes, things are different, but the human need hasn't changed. Sure. You know, like sure. we, <laughs> we've evolved as a species over thousands and thousands of years. So you can't tell me that like the advent of technology or the advent of social media is going to change us to the point that our needs change. Right, our right. needs don't change. Right. You know, like we are not meant to be alone. Yeah. We need, as women, we need other women. Like yeah. we need other women, whether we want to admit it or not. There are points in our lives where we have to have other women. So I feel like putting our daughters in these situations where they have other women and we're like pushing them into like yeah. friendships with other girls, I think that just lays the groundwork for something that feels like home mm -hmm. yeah. later. Yeah. You know, 100%. because there is a point where there is need. It's maybe more important now than ever to have like the outside of social media connection mm, with yeah. real women, with real mm. girls that they see and can you know yeah yeah and then like what are we as parents if we're not modeling behavior like there's plenty of things we model that we don't realize we're modeling right like that's that's the hardest part yes. is realizing like we're teaching them bad stuff all the time yeah. we just are unaware of it yeah. like 
you know, because everybody's experience is different. Like we are who we are and we were given the children we were given. Their experience is going to be what it is. So yeah. like, so help us God, like we're just going to do the best we can. Yeah. But there are things we can model knowingly. We can knowingly model the the like life-giving properties of deep female friendship. Yeah. And know? I love that, you know, I got my strong female girlfriend starting at like 14. My oldest is starting to have, these friendships when she was three or four, yeah. right? And I don't have friends that old. And yeah. I, I love that yeah. she's growing with these girls, right? And to see her and like, I feel like I'm learning so much from her because she doesn't question, like she'll read things about like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or these well, women from the past. And it's like, well, why was she the only girl in yeah. her law school? Like yeah. what? And like the fact that like she doesn't see limits yes. yeah. and like there's no bounds for her. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, girl, get it. Like, yeah. you know, and yeah. like all these things, like being surrounded by these strong girls and like she, she's, she's woke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a yeah. girl. <laughs> That's the joy of motherhood though, isn't it? To realize that your children can be more than you. Yeah. yeah. You know, that each of us stand on the shoulders of the person before us. Yeah. Right. You know, that I can be more than my mom, that yeah. my daughter can be more than me. Yeah. And, and I think that is why, you know, we as women, like we give everything when we have a child, like you give your body mm -hmm. to have this other person and then you give everything their entire lives so that they can be, have more, be more, do more, impact more than you, yeah. you know? I mean, it's just a beautiful, um, life cycle, yeah. you know, it's just part of it. It's yeah. part of it. But like, that's, that's also the evolution of like the, the life of, of a, of a woman. Like that's part of what it is, is realizing that it's not all about you. Yeah. It is about who you impact and, and who you take with you and, you know, you know, who's your crew, right? Yeah. Who's your crew and who, who helps you get to the next phase? Girls. Yes. Um, I love you. Love you I love you very much. Kelly, you're not allowed to leave. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Full denial. <laughs> That's where I like to stay. Uh. We should have had another bottle. I only had one. I sent to Blake I sent Blake to the store for more and it he only brought me the one. I was like, You didn't bring okay, it's fine. Are you gonna have Blake on the show ever? Ooh. Probably not. Like he's definitely terrified of like Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What if yeah. you had a group? Groups. He's he's quiet. Like yeah. he would never speak in a group. My husband is. I, I mean, I'm not even going to say the opposite of me because he's not the opposite. But yeah. I do have this theory that like spouses, you can't really know a person until you know they're the person they've chosen Ooh. to be with. Interesting. Um, yeah, I feel that really intensely because like. You yeah, know, tell us your what you mean. By yeah, that yeah. So like when you meet someone, you just kind of meet their representative. When you when you get to know someone really really well you can see some of their flaws and strengths and weaknesses, some of them. But you don't get the fuller spectrum of strengths and weaknesses until you meet their spouse. Because who we, or partner, who we choose to be with is ideally a balance of us. Mm -hmm. They balance us. Mm -hmm. sure. So like you won't know my weaknesses until you either know mm -hmm. me well and or know my husband. Because you see who he is and then you go, yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. I yeah. understand Lauren that so much so more fully now. Yeah. So what is Blake? Like the deep, deep roots of this old, strong tree, mm. unmovable, unwavering. Mm. But I'm like here, there and everywhere. Right. <laughs> 
All those branches. The leaves in the wind. Yeah, the leaves in the wind. And I'm susceptible to the season. Like, that's just what it is. Um, So, like, that's the example of me. So, like, will Blake ever be on? Maybe. Yeah. If I, like, give him, like, a six-pack first (laughs) and then say sit down. (laughs) He gets really nervous. He would never do anything on camera. So I'd have to tell him, these don't work. They're just props. <laughs> yeah. Cameras don't work. They're props. Just prom. don't tell him when they start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Don't tell him. Like, just sit down. Well, I'll tell you when we're recording. I just need to pr- make sure the lighting's working. <laughs> yeah, light. Yeah. Yeah, we just should. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you doing us. this. Thank really. you. Yeah. This is awesome. I loved have, it. We should have the little ones do this. I think it would be so oh funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> so funny. Since we recorded this episode, our good friend Kelly did move to New Jersey. So we communicate a lot on our group text chain. If you listen to the first part of that episode, um, we call our text chain the tattoo crew. So it's there's still a lot going on in that text chain. Um, it was also partly why listening back to this episode was so bittersweet because it did feel like we were together again. It was tinged with a little bit of sadness, I'll be honest. But um, because we have the holiday coming... I'll be focused on my gratitude for those two women, but also my gratitude for you. I mean, you listen to this podcast every single week. You press play. You read my emails. You comment on my Instagram posts of my favorite episode clips. You're consuming the content, and you're who I'm doing this for. So I'm grateful for that. Coming up next week, my final interview episode of 2022. You're going to meet my trademark attorney. Yeah, like literally the woman who got my trademarks for Epstigator. And she'll definitely have you laughing. She shares why she left traditional law and really carved a path for herself and for creatives. And I just love how she's living with purpose and helping other women protect their purpose too. I hope you take time this week to find the things you're grateful for. I encourage you to shine your light, lead with your heart and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. Amstigator.